history. Really? So there's a huge mystery as to what happened to the Roman Ninth Legion. It was the aliens. Definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Ted Cruz with his greedy hands. <laughs> The aliens came from the center of the earth with the Nazis. Oh, right, yep. And, <laughs> yep. and they'll be back. And they'll be back. The undead Ninth Roman Legion. Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your... And there's a dog here, so... <laughs> two dogs. <laughs> so if you hear some rattling or some snorting, uh, that explains the dogs. that. Anyway, I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. Taxation is theft. True. <laughs> <laughs> we are now libertarians. <laughs> we hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurs... <laughs> so obnoxious. Quietly chewing. She's chewing on a tennis ball. I'm not gonna throw it. Just slowly <laughs> okay. vomiting it. Yeah. Oh, Look those at those eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Probably have to get rid of her. So we don't know where Pickles is, but we have two dogs now, and I, I don't know why. <laughs> we just came down here one day, and there were two dogs, well, but they're sweet, yeah, so. Well, they'll, they'll have to do. Yes. Yes. Where was I? Oh, the way this works is that James and I will do our amateurs best to give a basic account of the major events of these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? We have Audie Murphy and Arminius. Arminius? Like a mini arm? You know, that is the worst joke you've told yet. <laughs> is that a challenge? No! No, it is not! You know what would be a challenge, though? What? Invading Russia in the winter. Uh... Yes, yeah. I, I do suppose history shows that invading Russia in the winter hasn't worked well before. Well, you know what they say? True invading the Russia... The Russia? What the <laughs> f***? Well, you know what they say? True invading Russia in the winter has never been tried. This again? To the history lab. One, a country boy who kicked Nazi ass. The other, a Germanic warrior who was involved in some pretty horrifying shit. Audie Murphy and Arminius, two bros who killed a lot of dudes. So, James, tell me. What? If you had to design the perfect cruise line experience, oh. what would it involve? Oh, well, oh. I would call it the cruise cruise. Oh. Oh, um, no. <laughs> yep, you know where this is going. <laughs> oh, no. So, it would just be a big ocean liner going to all uh, all your favorite places. Doesn't matter where. Uh, but the catch is, is that Ted Cruz <laughs> does all the commentary. Oh, no. Yep, so you could be, you know, going to uh, Egypt or Jamaica, and Ted Cruz <laughs> would be there with his greedy eyes and his greedy hands. <laughs> Just explaining to you about all these different countries. I, I, uh, we have to do an impression now. <laughs> uh, well, what does he sound like? He's He's got kind he's of got a southern accent. Kind of, but he's got that squeaky voice, too, which is kind of uh, All eerie. I can remember him is saying, Khamenei, <laughs> during one <laughs> yeah. of the debates. Yeah. And he kept saying, Khamenei, again and again and again. And I was like, okay. Anyway. So, yeah, so it would be the cruise cruise. The cruise cruise. Is the boat shaped like Ted Cruz's face? No, uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise's face. Oh my god. <laughs> so it's the cruise cruise cruise. You ever see that, that meme where they're pointing out that Tom Cruise has a tooth in the middle of his face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Scientology does weird stuff to you. It, it does weird stuff. Yeah. So what, <laughs> what would your cruise plan be? Well, my cruise plan would be basically... Here she is again. Yep, chewing on the tennis ball. Chewing on the tennis ball. Would basically be... I think I'd probably... Ha- well, I'd ask Bryce over at Naked Mormonism ah. to design a cruise ship that looks like a Mormon temple. Ooh. And then you would basically sail across Utah, <laughs> the great ocean of Utah, Yeah, and Bryce would be your captain, and he would cook every meal for you. Wow. And it would always be Kraft macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> now, didn't Bryce tell us about some Mormon guy who basically became a pirate yes. up in Oregon or Washington? That's the other part of it. There's, oh, okay. It's the true Mormon pirate experience, <laughs> and Bryce teaches you firsthand how to wield a cutlass and uh, rob booty. <laughs> Where do I sign? <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, computer, please bring up Audie Murphy and Arminius. So, oh, wait, you're the one who starts this time. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. well... So, tell me, Aaron, what was Audie Murphy best known for? Okay, so Audie Murphy is best known for his role in the Beverly Hills Cop series, as well as his excellent work in the reprise of The Nutty Professor. Uh, He also voiced Donkey in the Shrek movies. Ah. For real, though. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got it. That's Eddie Murphy. Right. That's the the joke, everyone. It's... I'm a true comedian. So, uh, for real though, Audie Murphy uh, was best known for being one of the most, well, actually being the most decorated soldiers in World War II. Wow. Uh, Which includes uh, both the Congressional Medal of Honor and the Texas Legislative Medal of Honor. Oh. uh, Which is a thing that you can earn, I guess. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So Uh, so what does he look like? Well, he's a rather dashing looking fellow. Mm. He became an actor later on, which helped, you know, so this helped him out. He's got a smolder that puts me to shame, waves of thick brown hair, and about 500 medals and awards strapped to his jacket. (laughs) He's also of fairly small stature, which is important to note, as it will play a role in his life more often than you might think. I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what was Arminius best known for? Arminius is best known for inflicting the Roman Empire with one of its greatest defeats. So he gave them... Oh, what? <laughs> I, I'm trying to come up with something good here, but it's, okay. not, it's just um, not coming to me. One of the Roman Empire's greatest defeats. Okay. So he gave them... Uh, knock-off Pop-Tarts. <laughs> That's not funny. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> You're on a roll today. No. <laughs> uh, well, we need some sort of, like, Italian joke, right? Because Roman Empire. Great. Oh, yes, that's um, true. So the greatest defeats is he gave them he linguine. Made a... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Uh, yeah, I don't no. know. Okay. We'll, we'll find out. So what did he look like? Did he look like linguine? Well, kind of. He's what you get when you combine Hitler with Santa Claus. What? <laughs> yep. What? We'll find Does out more. Does he really look like Hitler and Santa Claus? Uh, kind Kind of. Okay. He, he's basically Conan the Barbarian, who turned into a Hitler symbol 2,000 years ago. Oh, shit! Day. Yes. Okay. Uh, and Santa Claus, he gives out presents like he gives out Roman defeats. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that stupidity behind us, yes. <laughs> shall we move into Audie Murphy's early life? I say yay. All right. So, Audie Murphy was born the 7th of 12, yes, that's a lot of children, uh, in Kingston, Texas, in 1925. Now Kingston, Texas, is no Dallas. Ah. In fact, only about 300 people lived there when Audie Murphy came around, and today it's like half that. Oh, jeez. But just picture a small Texas town, and you got it. That's Kingston. Anyway, reportedly Audie Murphy was a loner as a kid and had a very bad temper. Mm. This did not help 
him when he started going to school, uh, where he wasn't such a huge success, actually. Ah. Uh, so to make matters worse, Audie's father eventually abandoned his family oh. of, you know, 13 other people. Oh, man. So Audie had to drop out of school anyway in order to get to work picking cotton uh, to help support his family, which, Jeez. you know, child labor, that's not fun. Yeah. So he earned about a dollar a day. Which is about $18 in today's money. Ooh, okay. Which is obviously Rough. not that much. No! Uh, so not only was Adi employed as a cotton picker, he made himself useful by becoming an excellent shot and hunting game to feed his family. Ah! Anyway, when Adi Murphy was about 13, what? It's time no. for World no, no, no. War II! No, no, no! Yeah. But America's not involved yet. And he's 13? Uh, yeah, and he's like 13, oh. so can't do anything, right? So, right. Uh, it's not that big of a deal for a kid trying to survive with his massive family in the middle of, no in the middle of nowhere, right? Uh -huh. So the sure. war just kind of happens. Yeah, it's over in Europe. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. We don't have yeah. to worry about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Repeat performance of World War One. <laughs> right. So in 1941, when Audie was 16, his mother died of various illnesses. Oh, jeez. And the list is like 10 things long. I didn't bother writing them. Hello, dog. At this time, he was working... Uh, that is disgusting. At this time, he was working two jobs, one at a radio repair shop, and the other was at what amounted to a 7-Eleven. With, with his mother gone, uh, three of his siblings were shipped off to orphanages, because oh. they just couldn't support them. Yeah. Uh, so later that year, though, Pearl Harbor happened! Oh my god. That's right. So now America is getting involved with the war, and Audie wants to go fight the Japanese! Good! But he's rejected for being too young, and too small. Yeah, what, he's like 16 still? Yep. Oh. <laughs> so, so what's a guy to do? Basically, uh, he has to, well, he got his sister to help him forge a birth certificate. Oh! <laughs> uh, attempted to enlist, enlisted, and went off to basic training at Camp Walters, oh. and then later to Fort Meade for advanced infantry training! Okay! Yeah. Wow. Uh, so during training, he earned a marksman badge and an expert badge with a bayonet component bar. I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming it means he's good with guns and bayonets. Yeah, so he's a good shot. Yes, so whatever the case, that's where we'll stop, and when we come back, we'll be sending Audie Murphy off to war! Excellent! Great! So, Great. Uh, what do you say we just roll right over to Arminius' early life? Excellent. Yes, go! So, Arminius was born, uh... Arminius? Arminius? God damn. Oh, Again? Good yeah, our... New Zealand. New Zealand. He was not born in New Zealand. Uh, okay. Thank where, God. So where was he born? Uh, he was born in Germania. Okay. Which I'll give you one guess where that is today. France. New Hampshire. Yes. Okay. okay. So he was born in Germania in 18 or 17 BC. Mm. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, the Roman Empire was growing pretty fast about uh, at about this time. Okay. Actually, the Roman historian Marcus Cicero recorded this time with the following quote. Oh, old Tully. Let's see what he has to say. Romans here, Romans there, Romans fucking everywhere. Oh my god. In your house, in your face, these damn Romans in every space. I've never known you can't Tully tell whether this is true or not, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, not true. But okay. basically, uh, these Roman dudes are doing the Roman thing and just conquering and enslaving all sorts of people. Classic. But oh, but oh, there was one European region that the Romans were never able to subdue. Actually, there were several. Oh. <laughs> but one of these regions in particular was known as Germania. Ooh. Uh, which we creatively call Germany today. Germania. That sounds like a like a theme park for germs. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Which is we're basically Germans. Oh! oh! There we go. New so Zealanders and Germans and the French. People I hate. <laughs> Make and a list. People Check it who twice. are probably going to start hating you. <laughs> I know. I don't really hate. I don't really these people but no just, but you yeah, except for I the do. french you definitely <laughs> oh well I, i'm like 118th french oh so mm. so you can't well i've cut off 118th of my body so <laughs> oh god <laughs> 
Okay, so we're talking about Germany. Yeah, okay. Right. So, for one reason or another, Rome was never able to conquer Germania, or deemed it too much of a waste of time. Fair. More on this later. Okay. But that didn't stop the Romans from trying to subdue at least parts of Germania. Oh. So, back to Arminius. Uh, the year is 18 or 17 BC, and the Romans are, for the moment, content in being all, in all the areas around Germany that are not Germany. Right. Okay. Uh, further, they actually have some client German tribes that pay tribute to them and act as kind of a buffer zone between Rome's border and the more hostile Germanic tribes. Makes sense. Uh, so that's kind of the situation. Here. All right. Anyway, Arminius is born to a guy named Segimerus. 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 Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Segimerus. <laughs> Segi uh, <laughs> happens to be the chief of a German tribe. Another one, <laughs> yeah, known as the Truscans. Oh, the Truscans. Ah, I'm gonna go with that. Okay. Be confident, and no one will uh, question you. Okay. So, the good news is that Arminius is the son of a powerful chief. Okay. The bad news is that his dad is in charge of one of those German tribes that technically submitted to Roman authority. Uh-oh. So, when Arminius and his brother Flavus were young boys, their father shipped them off to Rome as hostages. What? Parenting 101. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Uh, but things weren't too bad for these young lads. They were both trained how to fight how the Roman military functioned, and were trained to be Roman military commanders. Oh, well, that's a nice bonus, I yeah, guess. Yeah, Okay. So they weren't really slaves, more just, like, hostages. Which is nice. It's better than slaves. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, anyway, Arminius actually served in the Roman army from about 1 AD until 6 AD. Okay. He also received Roman citizenship and earned the status of Equitae, which basically translates to knight. Badass! Yeah. Mm. Uh, during his time serving Rome, Arminius actually helped fight in the Pannonian Wars and became well-respected among various Roman military leaders. Even a Roman general by the name of Varus noticed Arminius. Okay. And remember that name. Varus. Varus. Yes. Varus. Yeah. So Varus. Var- General Varus. Varus. <laughs> I'm trying to remember it. Right, well, I'll remind, I'll remind you later uh, on. Okay, like you have to Varus. Remember. Yeah, just... <laughs> so... Varus does what? He basically tells Arminius to report directly to him and advise him. So Arminius is pretty up, pretty high up there on the whole command chain thing. Right-o! Uh, so things are going quite well for Arminius. Shame if he were to, say, switch sides. Oh, no! <laughs> but for now, I think we'll uh, come to a stop until we return to hear about Audie Murphy's adult life. Great, and I think I'm going to have to take a break. Same here. I need some freaking coffee. Same here. I'm falling asleep. Same here. Varus. Varus! <laughs> <laughs> And we are back to We Talk About Dead People. Varus. <laughs> Varus. Uh, uh, she's back. She's back and she has a different toy. I think she uh, thinks I'll play with her now. Which I won't because I have a podcast to record. And we hate animals. Okay. Well, <laughs> when we left off, we were talking about Arminius's early life. And now we're going to be talking about Audie Murphy's Shoot adult life. Squeaks. <laughs> You know what? We're gonna leave it in. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think we are. Okay. You, we, you know what? We have to show our listeners that we're not high and mighty goddesses in the air. What? We are. <laughs> we are human beings who own dogs with squeaky toys. Uh. Yes. <laughs>
There we go. All right, so okay. Audie Murphy's Adult Life. Audie Murphy's Adult Life. I'm going to laugh every time I hear the squeak. I know, so. it's great. So, okay, so when we left Audie Murphy, he was being shipped off to the Mediterranean? Mediterranean? Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Humanitarian? Oh, God. Mm. Mediterranean to fight in World War II. Okay. Yeah, so he's assigned to Company B, 1st Battalion, 15th Infantry Re Regiment. Third Infantry Division. I'll remember that all. It doesn't matter. <laughs> now, about this time, the Allies were planning uh, their landings in Sicily in an operation known as Operation Husky. Ah. Basically, the plan was to surround the island, shell the absolute ever <laughs> Jeez, I'm so distracted. <laughs> Can we pause this? Yeah. We've got to get her out of here. All right, well, now that we've shot my dog... Oh, my out. God! <laughs> we put her in the brig. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're on a ship now. Yes. <laughs> so, uh... Anyway, we were talking about uh, Operation, Sicily, Operation right. Husky. Okay. Uh, so basically the plan... Well, and Sicily is like the, the, the football that the Italy boots kicking, right? Right. That's the island? Yes, okay. yes. So the plan is to surround the island, mm -hmm. shell the absolute ever-loving shit out of it. Good. Uh, send in landing craft, just like the ones you think of when I say D-Day. Ah. Or Call of Duty World War II. <laughs> and they also send in paratroopers. Ah. Jeez, sorry. My stomach's killing me. Yeah, speaking of World War II, his stomach <laughs> is pretty upset. Now, Adi and his army buddies are training to carry out, a sp out specific jobs mm -hmm. uh, under specific conditions in this raid. And Adi's job was division runner. Okay. Right? So he basically delivered messages by running all over the place. Ah, okay. Uh, so uh, what happens next? Operation Husky gets underway. Shit. And this is actually a fascinating invasion for a lot of reasons. Do tell. Uh, but I want to tell you one story in particular. There's this operation called Operation Mincemeat. Hmm. And that's just, I hate that name for some reason. But anyway, uh, the Allies are trying to fool the Axis in some way. And sure. Because they want them to be completely unprepared for uh, Operation Husky. Okay. So what they do is they find a good corpse. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> which they found one. And it was the body of some poor fuck hobo oh. <laughs> who died from eating bread crusts that were laced with rat poison. <laughs> yeah. I, isn't that horrible? Yeah. Uh, so oh. they got this body, and they dressed it in a British Royal Marines officer's outfit, and somehow rigged a suitcase to the body, like, I think they handcuffed it, sure, uh, and let it float to the shore somewhere in Spain. Uh, okay. In the briefcase are a pair of fake plans for invading not Sicily, but Greece. Oh. And, uh, holy fuck, they thought of everything with this plan. <laughs> yeah? They invented an entire paper trail for this body, came up with a whole life story for him, <laughs> carefully selected his rank so he would be seen as someone important, but, you know, not too well-known or easily missed. Yeah. They gave him a fake girlfriend by stuffing his wallet with photos and letters from his fake lover, <laughs> who was actually an MI5 clerk. Oh, that's great. Oh, and they put this, they put a receipt for a diamond ring in the wallet, too, <laughs> as well as an overdraft notice from the bank, basically saying that the ring cost too much. <laughs> They stuffed a knapsack with stamps, cigarettes, matches, pencil, keys, ticket stubs, and from a theater in London. Oh. And they put a silver cross and a St. Christopher's medallion around his neck. Wow. And so they tried hey, to- Hey, St. Christopher. No, yeah, hey. There's so much saliva in my mouth. Oh my god, what the fuck are you salivating? <laughs> Sorry, I salivate for St. Christopher. Uh, okay. Which is gonna be my campaign motto when I run oh, for god. president. <laughs> uh, we covered St. Christopher is all yeah, I wanted to yeah. say before an entire marshland erupted from my mouth. <laughs> Uh, Dagobah. Anyway. Know. Okay, so they tried to take a photo of the body of this guy, uh, his, yeah, this hobo. Yeah. Uh, like with the eyes propped open to use <laughs> as an ID photo and his identification cards and Ugh. things. Uh, but that didn't work. So oh. they went and found a lookalike, lookalike, photographed him, 
and made up the body's ID. Okay. Uh, but new documents would strike suspicion. So one of the planners carried the cards in his trousers for weeks, oh. rubbing them now and then to create a worn look. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, he had a name, Glindweir Michael. Oh. That was a real name. Yeah. Wow. Props, Glindweir. You yep. saved a lot of lives by giving yours to rat poison. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they put the body on a submarine and take it to the Spanish coast to drop it off. Uh, and huh. funny story about this. Uh <laughs> So they had it on ice in like this this box, oh, no. this metal case. Yeah. And they were about to drop it off and they were like, oh shit, like he's he froze. Oh, like he God. wasn't just preserved, his feet froze. So before they, they take him to the surface and you know, throw him over the side, they have to put his feet next to the submarine's boiler oh, my gosh. to thaw them out. Oh I know. Because you know, if he was frozen it would arouse suspicion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so anyway, uh so they go to the Spanish coast and they drop it off. At this point in the war, the British have had all their codes broken by the Germans, and they know it. Oh, uh, okay, so yeah, Germans so have cracked everything. The Germans have cracked anything, um, and they're aware that all of their transmissions are being intercepted, and they use this to their advantage. Hmm. So, they, so they start sending wires out all over the place with people asking about the briefcase that's tied to Glenweir Michael. Shit. Yeah. So the Spanish find the briefcase and end up handing it over to the Germans, who examine all the letters, take pictures of everything, and then send it back to the Spanish, who then go, Hey, Britain, we found a body a while back, and it had a briefcase in it that we totally didn't open. <laughs> We're sending it your way. So they do. And Spain was kind of on the... Even though they were technically neutral, yes. they were fascist. They were fascist. Franco. So, right. Yeah. So uh, the British were very clever about all of this. Yeah, uh, so for sure. <laughs> of, so one of the things they had done to see if the letters had been opened was they planted an eyelash in one of the envelopes. What? And it would inevitably fall out of the letter if it had been opened. Wow. The eyelash wasn't there. Oh. So they knew that uh, Sicily would not be well defended because Holy they shit. thought they had intercepted some real plans. Yeah. So Hitler and Mussolini, Mussolini immediately started moving forces out of Sicily uh, and the defenses were thoroughly weakened. And they're all going to Greece. Right. Okay. They're all going to Greece. So the invasion of Sicily begins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Airborne troops are dropped onto the island to cause as much chaos as possible and draw enemy forces inland. Uh, it goes over kind of not great, but it accomplishes the job of distracting the Italian and German forces. Mm -hmm. Also, the weather is super not great, which serves well if you're landing by sea. Why, you ask? Because no one would ever attempt a seaborne invasion in a storm. Okay. At least that's the reasoning. Sure. Anyway, so the Italians hadn't really made any plans for a large-scale seaborne invasion. Oh, so the Allies Italian. just kind of walked off the beach, no problem. <laughs> uh, the invasion of Sicily goes on for a while, but that's a whole other topic, and we should probably not get too deep into that, otherwise this could be end up taking hours. Yeah. Uh, so Adi shoots and kills two Italian officers during the invasion. Wow. Uh, he also falls sick when his company reaches Palermo, but he gets over it and joins the invasion of Batapaglia, which is not so much an invasion as it is a walk in the park. <laughs> the U.S. had bombed the city, causing about 120 civilian casualties. Good. It was, <laughs> it was basically flattened, so resistance was pretty much non-existent. Got it. Uh, so on a scouting mission with a couple of other soldiers, Audie Murphy and his crew were ambushed by the Germans, who had a machine gun. Oh, shit. They killed one of Audie, Audie's buddies outright, uh, but the two survivors weren't going down without a fight. So Audie and his other guy cocked their machine guns and ended up killing five German soldiers with a combo of gunfire and grenades. Wow. <laughs> uh, after another scuffle where Audie and his company killed three Germans and took four prisoners, uh, Audie was promoted to sergeant. He's a busy man. Yeah, and this is like from... He, remember, he started as a runner. Yeah. So like a nobody. And, and he's like, what, four years old and two feet tall or something? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, and then he was soon promoted to staff sergeant. Oh. Uh, but soon he caught malaria and couldn't join in the initial <laughs> landing at Anzio, uh, which is on the mainland of Italy. Okay. Uh, however, he soon got better and mm -hmm. joined the fighting in the First Battle of Cisterna, which was actually a disaster for the Allies. I remember that, yeah. Uh, basically, what happened is that the Allies were convinced that the Germans' main line of defense was further back than it was, even though a Polish conscript 
who had been conscripted into the German army, yep. escaped and warned the Allies that they had a bad plan. Mm. Uh, but they didn't listen. Uh, of course. So with Who listens ra- to the Poles? I mean. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so with Rangers leading away, uh, the battle begins, but things quickly go south because they run into an absolute fuck ton of tanks. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, and there's a cool story here about a guy named Major Dobson who had Major Dobsons. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Here's a man who personally took out a panzer by shooting the commander with a pistol, <laughs> climbing up top, yanking the body out of the hatch. So yeah. the commander would sometimes sit up top to like see the battlefield. <laughs> sure. Give yeah. orders. So, Dobson tosses a white phosphorus grenade into the tank and closed the hatch. Oh. Yeah, those guys inside that panzer got totally baked. Oh, shit. <laughs> Ironic, because it's 420. What? 420. I know, but it's... What are you talking about, 420? It's weed day. Oh, my God, it is. The guys got baked. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Well, that's... It's April 20th. It's the recording day, at least. Yeah, well, okay. So, white phosphorus. That's a fun thing. You yeah, do tell. You don't really see that in the movies very much. No. Uh, because basically what it does to you is it melts the skin right off your bones, and the muscles and everything turns it into gross jelly. Because oh it's God. so freaking hot. <laughs> There's this one... I read this book. It was uh, journal entries from German soldiers who... Like, well, not even German soldiers. People in the German army, because it was, like, mostly conscripts from other countries yeah. who weren't Germans, on D-Day. Oh. And... It's pretty horrifying. Like, I didn't know... They don't show it in Saving Private Ryan, I'll tell you that. But, you know, they would blast white phosphorus all over the bunkers. Oh, jeez. Um, and it would seep through the walls and oh basically God. cook everyone inside. And there was this one guy um, who, in the midst of, like, all this chaos... like Okay, so, like, the D-Day defenses were hilariously bad. Like, sure. really bad. Yeah. Like, the guns they had were disabled Stug tanks. <laughs> like, and, and Stug tanks couldn't pivot their gun yeah it had to fire basically straight forward so they had to rotate the whole thing um so they couldn't really aim at all yeah. anyway so he was in one of these stug tanks i think or i'm getting these stories mixed up either way this guy came to a bunker and he like as soon as he got there it got hit by white phosphorus and it was seeping through the walls oh. and he looked down into the bunker and there were like probably 10 or 15 guys down there and he said it was just like looking into hell oh, they were God. just melting which oh. is horrifying Anyway, that's a really good book, Through Their Eyes. Yeah. yeah. Check that out. Okay. Um, because it's, well, it's horrifying. Wow. But anyway, so Panzer guys got roasted. Yeah. Uh, so despite the bravery shown by the Rangers in the Battle of Cisterno, Cisterna? Cistern, Cistern whatever, uh, they still lost. And mm-hmm. the Germans captured some of them and put them out in front of their tanks as human shields. Oh, jeez. And demanded surrender. Uh, the Rangers couldn't do much else, so they just chose to retreat back to the Allied lines. Okay. After this disaster, Audie Murphy himself and his dudes are sent back to Anzio, where he hides out in an abandoned farmhouse for a few months. What a fucking coward. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, during this time, he took out a tank, oh. so he wasn't just oh, okay. hiding in the fort. Uh, he and his platoon pretty much killed the entire crew with machine gun fire. Oh. How, you ask? Well, I'm assuming what happened is this. So, here's the deal. Uh-huh. Tanks get hot. Sure. It's a heavily armored engine with less space than a broom closet. Yeah. You've got crews of, like, five guys packed close together, and there's no air conditioning. Oh. Uh, so when you're not in combat, it kind of makes sense for most of the crew to ride on the outside of the tank while the driver continues to roast inside. Sure, yeah. So these Germans are passing by, Audi and his guys kill them, and then Audi crawls up into range of the tank, in which a stunned driver is probably trying to figure out exactly what has happened, yeah. uh, and blows the thing up with rifle grenades. <laughs> yeah. So wow. for this, he receives the Bronze Star. Cool. Shortly after this, Audi gets malaria again. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> the Allies take Rome, and Audi gets a short break through July. Nice. And now it's time to invade France! Oh. 
okay. Audie lands on Yellow Beach near Ramatway. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sure. Completely wrong. It's French. Yep. Um, and is immediately amidst a vineyard because it's France. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he and his men are looking around for German resistance, and they find it in a farmhouse. Ah. Audie runs and gets a machine gun and returns fire, killing two Germans and wounding another, at which point two Germans come out of the farmhouse with their hands up. Uh, one of Audie's better friends responds to the surrender by lowering his weapon and attempting to capture the two, at which the point the Germans drew their own weapons and shot this man to death. Oh, God. So, false surrender. Yeah. Which is kind of shitty. It is shitty. Uh, at this point, Audie goes full Rambo. Oh, no. He grabs his weapons and charges the house alone. Oh. And in a miraculous display of incredibly brave, incredible bravery and probably rage, yeah. Audie kills six Germans, <laughs> wounds two, and get this, takes 11 of them prisoner. Holy shit. Shit. Uh, so they must have been pretty scared of this little guy for 11 of them to give up. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be? The fucker just shot the other 11 of their number. <laughs> yeah. uh, so for this, he received the Distinguished Service Cross. I should say so. In September 1944, Audie earned his first Purple Heart after getting blasted with a mortar shell. Oh, God. Uh, but it didn't keep him out of the game for long. And oh. here's something you'll discover about Audie Murphy if you go read about him. Uh-huh. The fucker did so many amazing things, it becomes almost an, it becomes almost tiresome to record them. Okay. For example, he got a silver star for approaching a German machine gun and placement and shooting seven people while under terrible fire. <laughs> Three days later, he's crawling through the mud to a German encampment with a radio under direct machine gun fire and basically radioing back to his guys telling them where to aim. <laughs> his platoon was okay. targeted by a sniper at one point. Audie Murphy shot him between the eyes. <laughs> like, literally. Yeah. Uh, but only after being shot through the hip. Oh. So, like, Jesus? <laughs> the guy did so many things. He, he is Jesus. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Audie Murphy is Jesus. I'm a Murphite. <laughs> Varus. <laughs> Varus. <laughs> anyway, so after getting shot in the hip, Adi is forced to take some time off till January of 1945. Okay. He participated in the invasion of the Kalmar Pocket, a zone of 850 square miles that was securely held by the Germans. Hmm. He helped invade a town called Holtzvier. The Germans counterattacked and counterattacked a lot. The downside oh. is that Audie Murphy got two more Purple Hearts for leg injuries. Oh, both legs. Oh. Uh, at this point, the army was just like, fuck it, just make him a commander, so he's made commander of Company B. Right. <laughs> uh, so this battle isn't over yet, though. Uh -huh. uh, and here we reach the story that made Audie famous. And if you've read any of those listicle sites, you've probably heard this story. Yeah. Which is sad, but so, wow. basically okay. what happened yep. is that the Germans are counterattacking Holtzfeer. Uh, yes. And they're doing pretty well. Uh -huh. And they knock out an M10 tank destroyer, which is ironically very tank-like, except <laughs> it has no roof on the turret, just a machine gun that you can swivel around. Mm. So this tank destroyer explodes and is burning. Mm. Meanwhile, Audi is ordering his men to retreat from the town and hide in the woods to cover their escape. He climbs up on the burning tank destroyer, <laughs> mounts the machine gun, cranks back the bolt, and starts blasting at the Germans <laughs> with 50 caliber bullets. What? And there's fire all around him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. being burned while doing this. Oh. So he kills an entire squad of Germans almost immediately. And they're like, because they're, they're like chasing the Americans. And then suddenly there's this short guy on a machine yeah. gun. On a burning tank. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he kills this entire squad and continues to fire on them for a fucking hour. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. He's also getting shot at, of course, and sure. takes a bullet to the leg. Uh, but that's not what stops him. What stops him is that he simply runs out of bullets. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So the Germans are making no headway in the meantime. So Adi goes and rallies his men in the forest to take back the town. Mm -hmm. For this, he's awarded the Medal of Honor, which... There it is. Yeah. That's <laughs> the kind of thing that gets you the Medal of Honor. Yeah. Uh, and for this, uh, he's made first lieutenant and is moved to the front lines. Oh, okay. Yeah. After this, Murphy was basically out of the war. His injuries were taking their toll, so he goes back to the U.S. and does some things, but nothing really huge. Uh, he mostly just gets lots of parties and things thrown in his honor until he's finally discharged because of his injuries. 
Now, wow. you're probably wondering how Murphy felt about his service. Yes. Well, he had post-traumatic stress disorder, as you might yes. expect. <laughs> he slept with a loaded gun under his pillow for the rest of his life. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And, yeah, wow, so, so serious. <laughs> yeah. In 1947, he underwent a medical examination where he reported bad headaches, random vomiting, and horrible nightmares. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he got addicted to sleeping pills because of this. Oh. Uh, and when he figured out he was addicted, though, uh, he locked himself up in a hotel room for a week and broke the addiction. Just like you'd expect a person like Audie Murphy to do. Yeah, wow. So he was excessively moody and could get really pissed off, which scared his friends. Yeah. Uh, his first wife, Dixie, said he got so mad once that he pulled a gun on her. Oh. But she also reported that her husband was absolutely racked with guilt, in mm. one instance weeping openly at the sight of German war orphans in the news. Oh, jeez. It was Audie Murphy who essentially forced the psychological community to re-examine shell shock and eventually label it as actual PTSD. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, so during the Korean War and the Vietnam War, he, had a, he was a big voice for people who were suffering from this debilitating condition. Hmm. Anyway, uh, it's amazing that, like, before this, we didn't think that, oh, you know, maybe war fucks people up. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> These pansies coming back from the trenches of World War One. what did they have to complain about? Right. But anyway, so, besides that, after the war, he actually began a film career hmm. and made oh. more than 40 <laughs> movies and a television wow. series. He also wrote a book about his experience on the war called To Hell and Back. Hmm. Uh, he was in a lot of movies, too. He got a lead role in, or the lead, actually, in The Red Badge of Courage. Oh, wow. In 1955, someone got the idea of making a movie about his book, To Hell and Back, starring Audie himself. <laughs> so, Whoa. he does it, and yeah. he makes about a million dollars carrying the role. Jeez. Yeah, so anyway, during the Korean War, Murphy joined the Texas Army National Guard, where he worked as a drill sergeant. <laughs> he wanted to be sent to Korea, interestingly enough, like, even after the horrible things that he saw. In yeah, but... You know, it's like the only world they understand, oh. uh, in, in a way. I've heard that, where, you know, once you're so used to war, hmm. it's uh, alien to be anywhere else. I bet so. I know a lot of Vietnam soldiers uh, suffered from that, where they went home and they only wanted to go back into hell because they understood it. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting, actually. Yeah. Like Anyways, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. The best movie. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway, so he wanted to go to Korea, but mm -hmm. he was never given the chance. Um, he also developed a bit of a gambling problem, which messed Ooh. up his life a bit. Yeah. Uh, he was offered the chance to appear in commercials for alcohol and cigarettes, but he, re <laughs> he refused, even though they would pay well, because he didn't want to give kids bad ideas. Okay. Commendable. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where we'll leave him for now. And when we come back, we'll be talking about Audie Murphy's End on Death. Uh, I've got a feeling it's kind of going to go downhill, uh, the way this looks, unfortunately. It depends on what you mean by downhill. Uh, did he go sledding? No. <laughs> kind of the opposite. Uh, we need to stop. Okay. We need to stop. Varus! <laughs> <laughs> and we are back. We talked about dead people. And when we left off, uh, we were talking about uh, about uh, Audie Murphy's adult life. Yeah. And now we're going to be moving into Arminius's adult life. Yes. So take it away, James. I will take it away. Varus. Varus. <laughs> okay. Yes. When we last left Arminius, he was fighting with the Roman army under the Roman general. Varus. Varus. Yeah. <laughs> and Arminius ha had taken this valuable time to learn how the Romans fought and what kind of tactics they used and things like that. Important. Anyway, General Varus is kind <laughs> of a... I'm going to let... I'm just going to let you fill in. Okay. Just, all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, General Varus is kind of a hot-headed son of a bitch. Okay. He's known for his wonderful 
wonderful habit of crucifying people by the thousands. That is a wonderful <laughs> habit. Ugh. Yeah, so he's not, well, uh, he's not too well liked. Oh, well, that's not surprising. Uh, yeah. okay. Further, over the past couple of years, a series of Roman generals have taken their little armies and made little excursions into Germania, claiming that most, if not all, of the region now belonged to Rome, and that the Germans were pacified. Pacified? Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the general Varus is... Oh, wait, I'm doing that. You're but... drinking water. <laughs> So, start again. So, okay. The general... Varus. ...is given the task of basically keeping Germania and all the client tribes in line. Uh, so you can imagine many of the Germanic peoples are not too keen on, one, being ruled over by the Romans, and two, being governed by General... Varus. ...who loves high taxes and crucifying anybody who didn't pay those high taxes. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the good news for General Varus is that he has 11 fucking Roman legions to keep the peace. That means nothing to me. Okay, uh, and about this time, the Roman legions had about 5,000 professional soldiers each. Okay. And he has 11 of them. Oh, Jesus. So 11 times 5,000 uh, is like 37. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 50, he's got up to 55,000 professional troops. That's amazing. Plus a shit more ton of support units. A like, shit more ton. A shit ton more of, more to Varus. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a ton of guys. Okay, okay? Yeah. all right. All right. Uh, so uh, things are looking good for the Romans, right? Right. Uh, wrong. Oh, shit. So down in the Balkans, people are not happy with Roman rule. Oh. And a huge rebellion breaks out that lasts several years. Wow. And Rome is forced to move eight of the 11 legions stationed in Germania down to the Balkans, leaving Varus with only three legions. Okay. Uh, that's still a sizable amount of troops, but now would be a bad time if anything were to happen. Oh, oh. And something did happen. Oh, no. Jesus came back. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, he did not. Okay. But maybe he did. Anyway, uh, so this whole time, our boy Arminius has been quietly advising and serving under Varus. But all is not too well. Uh, Arminius really didn't like the idea of Varus, the douchebag, ruling over his homeland and his people. Okay. Uh, so Arminius started going off into the woods alone here and there, and secretly started to unite and organize several of the Germanic tribes in a military alliance against Rome behind Varus's back. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so Arminius is basically a traitor. All right. Uh, actually, he's kind of like a double agent. Okay. He's a German tribesman who's helping the Romans subdue the Germanic people, but wait, no, he's actually a German tribesman planning to keep the Romans away. Uh-oh. Yes. Uh, and somehow Arminius, he's able to do this. Okay. And I really want to know how he did this, so let me just break this down. All right. Arminius has, like, been gone since he was a young boy and has served in the Roman army, and even helped put down rebellions against Rome. So I really want to know how and why the German tribes believed him and followed him after all these years. Why? When he just, you know, showed up and was like, Hey guys, I'm back. Uh, I'm not really German anymore, but you should follow me. Right! Attack my, my people. And it worked. Yeah, yeah wow. it, it worked. Uh, and I don't know how. Because the only sources we have on this are Roman sources, uh, because the Germans then and now can't write. Mm. <laughs> you almost made me choke on my water. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, regardless of how he did it, Arminius did manage to unite several Germanic tribes who had previously been enemies. Okay. And here are the tribes. Okay. Uh, the Cheruski, the Marsi, the Chatti, the Brukteri, the Chossi, and the Sicambri. Okay. Uh, anyway, they're all in alliance now, and they, uh, they managed to keep this uh, a secret from the Romans. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Then Arminius begins phase two of fuck Rome in the ass by okay. going to General Varus. Yep, and saying, hey buddy, I know you're new at this whole governing Germania thing and probably don't want to fuck up, so just so you know, there are a bunch of Germanic tribes uniting in a rebellion against you and you might want to take care of them. Okay. Uh, now Arminius was not referring to his, to his Germanic tribes. Right. He was instead pointing to some other tribes and this whole thing was just a lie. Okay. Yes. But Varus bought it hook, line, and sinker and immediately mobilized his three legions to march out to crush this phantom rebellion. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> okay. though... So, what? Nothing. Varus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That should just be the description for yeah. this episode. Just Varus in all caps. Anyway, uh, so... So he bought this ruse. Yeah. Uh, the problem with this, though, is Germany, or Germania, has a bunch of trees and hills everywhere, and there are no roads. Right. Uh, so... Varus. <laughs> isn't exactly sure exactly how to get to the place where this rebellion is happening. Right. Okay. Th thankfully, though, our boy Arminius pops up and tells... Varus. ...exactly what road he should march the army on. Oh, how helpful. <laughs> yeah, he's just a great guy. Then, to make things even more sketchy, Arminius basically says... Okay, uh, while you're marching on that sketchy road that I told you to march on, I'm gonna, uh, go on ahead and gather some local German troops who will fight on our side. Oh! And Varus sees no problem with this, so <laughs> off they both go. Okay. Uh, of course, the entire thing was a huge trap. Right. Yeah. Uh, Arminius went and gathered the warriors from the tribes who had allied under him and placed them all along this road that the Romans would be marching down. Uh-oh. And this road was very narrow, just like Christianity. Uh, uh, wh was what? Was surrounded... <laughs> the narrow road. Follow the narrow Oh, path. okay. Pilgrim's Sorry. Progress. Sorry. Anyway, I, I don't know. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the Romans are marching on this very narrow road. Uh, it's surrounded by dense forest. It went through swamplands and was basically a mud path instead of a road. Okay. So like Chicago's roads. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, and our dear general, Varus. being the smartass that he is, decides to not march his troops in battle formations. Oh, no. And also decides not to send out any reconnaissance or scouts. Well, why would he? I don't know. Uh, Arminius is up ahead, scouting around. Right, yeah, gathering other local troops. Yeah, oh, I don't know. So, mm. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, and marching with the army, the Roman army, are also thousands of non-combatant camp followers right. who are intermingling and disrupting any formations that the marching soldiers might have had. How nice. So it's just like a, a parade of bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Parade of bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, and as such, the Roman army begins to stretch out until the entire line stretches over ten miles. Sweet Jesus. Yeah. Uh, this would be a terrible situation if, you know, maybe a bunch of angry Germanic warriors were about to ambush you. Oh, God. And that is what happens. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Arminius, who is now with the Germans, gives the signal and all hell breaks loose. So just picture this. Okay. It's terrifying. All right. I was trembling and crying when I was writing this. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. You're an unsuspecting Roman soldier who is not suspecting battle at all. Right. You're tromping through muddy woods, no idea where you are, and all of a sudden you hear the cries of tens of thousands of Germanic warriors chanting and shouting and charging down the hills upon you. Oh, God. Uh, and these guys are covered in war paint. Some are probably naked. Oh, God. Many of them are probably in that berserker rage mode. Oh, and you and your fellow Romans are nowhere near ready for battle. Oh. Oh, and it's almost nighttime, and there's probably fog, so you have no idea where these guys are coming from until they're right in front of you with a spear in your face. Uh, yeah, it's basically the picture-perfect military ambush. Well, uh... Anything to say? 
Varus! <laughs> I saw that coming. Alright, so within seconds, the entire Roman marching train was surrounded and engaged by the Germanic warriors. Okay. And in most parts of the line, the Romans were just washed over by the Germans like a tidal wave. Uh, but in many places, the Romans had enough time to congregate and form uh, battle formations. Well, that's good. However, oh, shit. Arminius had served with the Roman army for years and had also been trained in how, how they fought. So he knows the tricks of the trade. Yeah, he knew exactly what their next step would be and direct his, his forces to perfectly counter it. Uh, so Arminius kept reserves back and then unleashed them on the Romans who had managed to make formation. Uh, and pockets of fighting or... Hold on. I'm getting a call. Oh, shit. Let's see who it is. It's probably not important. Never. It's probably Varus. It's Adam. Oh shit, there he is again. And we're back! <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the whole Roman line is engaged. And okay. there are pockets of fighting, more like slaughtering, just going on Jesus. all through the night. <laughs> oh. Uh, now, a good portion of the Roman army did manage to break away, and they immediately set up a night camp at a fortified position. Uh, and then it started to rain hard. Nice. Uh, okay. So all night, these Romans uh, in camp are surrounded by Germanic warriors out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Jesus. And all the Romans can hear is the heavy rain pounding down on them, the chanting of the barbarian druids and warriors all around them, Sweet and Jesus. the screams of their fallen comrades who are out in the forest being tortured to death by the Germans. Oh my god! Which is horrifying. That's horrifying. Yeah. So the next morning, General Varus gathers what troops he has, and the Romans tried to escape. Okay. Uh, but the heavy rain had made everything even more muddy and had waterlogged the Roman shields. And you can picture those shields. Those yeah. are big pieces of equipment. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and they had also uh, ruined the, their bows because the sinews had basically disintegrated. Oh, shit. Uh, so now the Romans have no uh, missile capabilities okay. and no shields. Well, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're trying to march and escape out of there, but the whole day they're just being harassed by javelins and arrows from the Germans who are shadowing their every move in the trees. God! Uh, so the Romans are forced to make camp again, but... Varus? Uh, doesn't let his soldiers rest at all, and forces them to march in the middle of the night in an order to, uh, to escape. Well, that makes sense, because if the last night you basically had to listen to the most horrifying things yes. on the planet... I would try to escape as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Arminius, he knew the terrain, and knew that the only road the Romans could escape on had a marsh on one side, and a... Uh, an earthen wall on the other. Oh, so like okay. A, a cliff almost. Okay. Uh, so he placed his troops upon the wall and the Romans fell into his trap again. Oh, God. Uh, the Germans began shooting arrows and throwing javelins at the passing Romans from the wall. The Romans attempted to counter this attack by scaling the wall, but they're oh. all exhausted, terrified, their shields are a million pounds from the rain, and it's the middle of the night. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, the attempt fails. Oh, <laughs> Seeing this, the, oh. the second highest commander in the Roman army jumps on his horse, gathers a few nearby horsemen, and they just take off at full oh. speed, utterly abandoning the rest of the army. That doesn't sound very uh, heroic. Or, heroic. Yeah. And, and sounds a little like Mao. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Yeah, unfortunately... The for these guys, the Germans gave give chase, catch them, and just slaughter them oh, all. Oh, God. At this point in the battle, the Roman formations uh, have completely disintegrated. The mud, dense forest, and swamp made it impossible for the Romans to line up anywhere. And this is basically the third day of them fighting nonstop with no rest, and they know they're about to die. Oh, Jesus. Uh, which is a terrible thing That's to think about. That's horrible to think about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So the whole Roman army, or what was left of it, just falls apart, and the Germans surround them and charge. 
Uh, the Romans are cut down one by one. And General Varus, seeing that all is lost, falls on his sword and kills himself. Oh! Uh, many of the other Roman officers followed suit and committed suicide. Jesus. Uh, this battle is known as the Battle of Teutoburg Forest. Uh, it occurred in early September in the year 9 AD and is one of the greatest defeats in Roman history. Jesus. Although a lot of historians think it's the greatest defeat in Roman history. That's it's crazy. certainly up there. Wow, that's a horrifying story. Yeah, so let's talk about the stats. Oh, shit. Uh, as Estimations as to how big the Roman army was are between 20 and 35,000 men. Okay. Of this, only a few soldiers near the end of the marching train managed to escape. Between 16,000 and 20,000 were killed. Oh my god. Thousands more were captured and hundreds went missing forever. Wow. Uh, after the last Roman lines disintegrated, though, the battle was far from over. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, and this is, this is terrible. Uh... The Germanic warriors fell upon the wounded Roman soldiers and tortured them to death. Oh, God. Uh, slow slicing and being nailed to trees seemed to be the popular methods. Uh, uh. Any Roman officers unlucky enough to be captured alive were sacrificed to the Germanic gods. Uh. Some were even put into boiling pots of water, and their bones were then harvested for pagan rituals. Oh. Uh, regular Roman soldiers who were captured alive were immediately taken and sold into slavery. Oh, God. So the 17th, 18th, and 19th uh, Roman legions were just wiped off the face of the earth, and all of their eagles were lost. If you remember, each legion had, like, a standard right, right. with an eagle on top. And that was kind of seen as, like, the life spirit of the legion. Kind of right. like Ameri uh, kind of like flags, but mm -hmm. on steroids. <laughs> so whenever a, a, an eagle standard was lost, the legion kind of ceased to exist. Wow. Um, Didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Arminius cut the head off of... Varus's dead body <laughs> uh, and he sent it to another Germanic leader uh, who in turn sent it back to Rome but it was a total Roman defeat I have I have some thoughts on this actually yes please please tell even though I'm feeling like utter shit over the course of this podcast everybody I've been feeling progressively sicker and sicker so. yeah sorry if my energy levels seem low uh, but I was going to say, so this like this all sounds really barbaric, right? Yeah. You know, slow slicing and boiling people, like, that's just, I mean, that's fucked up, right? Right. But these people are angry. Yes. Why? Uh, well, they were paying tribute, a lot of them were paying tribute to Rome. Right. And Varus was the governor. And he was crucifying lots of them? Or well, was that Well, I don't know if he crucified them. I know he was the governor of Judea for a while, and right. he crucified like 2,000 Jewish people. Sweet Jesus. Um... But he was a big fan of high taxes. Oh, okay. And I think so he was just increasing... So, oh, they're pissed off about taxes. Taxes. Mm. And uh, if we know anything about German history, they don't like being ruled over by other people. <laughs> so... <laughs> right. Uh, I think that was kind of kind of what the anger started with. Interesting. And, and the Germans and Romans have been fighting for a long time, just right. off and on. So it's kind of this ongoing conflict. And Arminius was interested in, in this just because they were his people. Is that correct? Or? That's kind of what it seems like. Again, okay. there wasn't much on it, but that's what it seems like, even though he was raised by the Romans, uh, which is odd. Um, yeah, I'd, lo I'd love to see a movie that kind of explores I his feel character. Like, I feel like they at least did uh, a movie about this battle. Possibly. Didn't they do one know. called The Eagle or The Standard or something? Oh, that was about, uh, I believe, the Ninth Ro Roman Legion. Okay, so not this battle? Yeah, no, okay. not this one. So, the I'll, I'll get into this later, but all three eagles were eventually recaptured by the Romans. Oh, okay. Um, but what's interesting is the Ninth Roman Legion, which has nothing to do with this battle, but we'll talk about it later, uh, they basically disappear from history. 
And we really? don't have, like, an end battle where they were massacred. They just disappear. Like, all records of them just disappear. Uh, and we don't know where their Ninth Eagle is, and there's no records of it anywhere. Really? So the, <laughs> so the Ninth Legion is, like, in Roman records. They're here, they're there, they're doing all the Legion things, and then they're just gone. Like, someone went back and erased them from history. Really? So there's a huge mystery as to what happened to the Roman Ninth Legion. It was the aliens. Definitely, yes. <laughs> and Ted Cruz with his greedy hands. <laughs> the aliens came from the center of the earth with the Nazis. Oh, right, yep. And, then, <laughs> yep. and they'll be back. And they'll be back. The undead Ninth Roman Legion. Okay, so... after ev- Anyway. Varus is dead. Yes. And his men are dead. Pretty much. And what happened next? Well, after the battlefield was finally quiet, the Germans gathered dead, their dead and buried them, and then everybody left. Oh. Uh, the dead Romans were left where they fell. Okay. Arminius did not stop here, though. He gathered his warriors, and they basically went on a rampage, destroying any Roman forts on the Roman-German border, now that there were no legions in the area to protect them. Uh, the Roman response was immediate, though. Of course. L- <laughs> it's the Roman way. Legions and armies were immediately sent to the borders, and their presence uh, prevented Arminius from marching all the way through France uh, had he wanted to. We don't really know what his motives were. Right, right. Anyway, uh, when Emperor Augustus, who was the emperor at the time, when he received word about the defeat, he went into a panic and repeatedly stood next to a pillar in his palace, hitting his head on it and saying over and over again the infamous phrase, Quintilius Varus, give me back my legions. You stole that one from me. I know, but it's such a great phrase, I, I can't have it <laughs> fragmented by So a... what exactly is he saying? Well, he just give me back my legions. You lost three of my legions. Oh, I see. He's just lamenting the... Quintilius Ferris, give me back my legions. That's yeah. really sad. But it's a, it's a famous phrase. Like, you'll, you'll hear it here and there. Oh, okay. I don't know. Again, I'll, I'll definitely run for president with that as my campaign. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So then the Roman general Germanicus, from which we get the name Germany, arrived with a sizable Roman army and began an immediate war against Arminius and the Germanic threat. Right. The war went on for a couple years, and Arminius was defeated twice by Germanicus, but not crushed. Okay, so Uh, he's going to continue to be a problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the Romans did manage to recapture all three lost uh, eagle standards. Okay. And they also returned to the battlefield of Teutoburg Forest several years later. And what they found was a completely abandoned battlefield as no German had stepped foot there for religious and superstitious reasons. Huh. They kind of believed that uh, if you didn't bury the dead... They would be haunting the area. Oh, yeah. And they didn't bury any of the Romans. Right. I'm guessing, like, if you didn't bury someone, it was kind of an insult. Like, your right. body, will, your spirit will never be at rest. But right. I have no idea. But uh, anyway, so what the Romans found uh, was that none of the fallen Romans had been buried years earlier. So mile after mile was covered in bleached bones and rusted armor pieces. God. And they also found skeletons and skulls nailed to trees, Jesus. which is just horrendous. That is horrendous. Yeah. Um, so in the year 1780, the Romans decided that conquering all of Germania was probably too dangerous and too much a waste of time. Right. So they secured their borders on the Rhine River and gave up on conquering the rest of Germania. Because of this, Arminius lost the common enemy that had allowed him to unite those various Germanic tribes. And as such, these tribes immediately began to squabble and even fight each other. And Arminius was immediately caught up in a war with various rival Germanic tribes. Oh, that's too bad for him. And that is where we will leave him for now. Mm, Okay, well. Yeah. So, uh, Audie Murphy, should we just... Yeah, he's he's, he's pretty short. 
So we'll just go. He off. is pretty short. Oh god. <laughs> uh, so Audie Murphy's end and death. Okay. Uh, May twenty eighth, nineteen seventy one. Audie Murphy boards a plane in Atlanta. Great. You know where this is going. Uh, no, I don't. The pilot requests weather information. Gets it. It's bad, and the pilot decides to go anyway. Oh shit. So everything goes wrong. Oh no. Uh, the plane is spotted flying in circles about 150 feet from the ground, which, you know, not that high. No. Uh, the plane attempts to land on a highway and fails. Huh. Uh, then it buzzes a town, nearly hitting some trees, and heads off toward the Blue Ridge Mountains. Hmm. Pilot crashes the plane into the side of the mountain and bursts into flames, killing everyone on board, oh, including our guy, Audie Murphy. Oh. It took three days for investigators to find the crash site. Uh, three of the six passengers had been thrown out of the wreckage a good ways, oh, uh, while wow. three others remained inside the crash. Jeez. Murphy's family sued and won $2.5 million, uh, but that doesn't exactly fix it. No. Anyway, so Audie Murphy was bor uh, born, buried in Arlington National Cemetery. It is the cemetery's second most visited grave beside JFK's. Oh, wow. Interestingly huh. enough. Uh, as for his legacy, uh, I guess he, you know... Was a pretty great a war soldier. hero, yeah, a medal war. of honor recipient. Mm -hmm. I bet there's places named after him for sure. Yeah. And yeah, there's. I think there's a museum for him. Probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he. And the other part of his legacy that I thought was great was that Sabaton, that Swedish power metal band or yes. whatever, uh, wrote a song about him called "To Hell and Back." Ah, uh, yes. Fun which, song. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it live. It's great. Really? Oh. Yeah. Now, I just got to say. Okay. And I have no idea. I, th this just pops in my brain now. Um, but whenever an important person in modern American history dies in a plane crash, uh -huh. conspiracy theorists usually latch onto that immediately. Really? Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm just wondering, like, if there are conspiracy theories about Audie Murphy's death. Ooh. He gets onto this plane. Because I don't know. Like, I'm just, uh, now my conspiracy mind is going, like, uh -huh. maybe uh, his whole interest in PTSD made him worried about, you know, the Korea, Korean and Vietnam Wars or whatever. Oh. And the, the deep state establishment was like, well, <laughs> we can't have him around. Put him on a plane. I don't know. <laughs> well, but I'd love to Google it and see, it uh, could also, see what crazies it, are out there. It could also be that... Uh... The pilot was severely undertrained and didn't have the right instruments to be flying in the weather he was. What, are you fucking an idiot? <laughs> oh, are you fucking an idiot? Is that what I said? Jesus Christ. I am we fucking gotta... nobody. Oh, good. <laughs> We're recording. You shouldn't be. Oh God. oh, God. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm just, like, dead. Yeah, Blah. he's not looking good. Mm. So, right. we hey, should power through this, this yeah, last bit. Yeah, we should. So, okay. let's get through Arminius' end in death, and then we'll get through my death, and then it will be over, thank God. Okay, yes. <laughs> um, and then I'll talk right. about you and tell them the truth. Okay. <laughs> so, when we last left Arminius, he had just kicked Rome's imperial ass, <laughs> uh, but was now busy fighting various rival Germanic tribes. Right. And this is where things start to go really badly for him. Oh, okay. In 15 AD, Arminius's own wife, Thusnalda, <laughs> who was pregnant at the time, uh, uh, she got captured by the Romans oh or God. sold to the Romans. Or somehow she got into the Roman hands. Jesus. Uh, and this had a huge impact on Arminius as he spent much time mourning for his wife and the unborn child and oh. never married again. God. As for their fate, uh, Thusnalda died in Roman captivity. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. There's <laughs> even a rumor that the Romans sacrificed her to their gods. Oh, shit. Although this is... This is uh, most likely unlikely <laughs> oh, but... because the Romans didn't really sacrifice people to their gods at this point. Right. But who knows? Okay. Uh, she did give birth though. Oh. She had a son named Th Thumelicus. Okay. Who was trained as a gladiator and was killed in the arena when he was like 15 years old. That is hardly fair. <laughs> no. 
but then again, uh, Audie Murphy was a pretty pretty awesome soldier when he was that age. So well, yeah. a little older than that, but you know. So listeners, are you a Thumelicus or an Audie Murphy? <laughs> <laughs> Ask yourself. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, to make matters worse, uh, many of the people in Arminius's own tribe were beginning to fear that he was becoming too powerful. Of course. So in 21 AD, Arminius's own tribesmen murdered him. What the fuck? <laughs> Just out of nowhere. Yeah. Just like that. Yep. Wow. So, okay. uh... Although Arminius's family line didn't live on, his legacy 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 his Hail legacy Satan. surely did. <laughs> Hail Satan! <laughs> Our listeners are gonna be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's just a funny way of saying Hail Satan. Hail Satan! <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> So, okay. Arminius is remembered for inflicting one of the greatest defeats upon Rome ever, uh, and even many Romans respected him for this. Tacitus wrote of him, and this is an actual Tacitus quote, unlike the right. one I had earlier. Well, that wasn't Tacitus. It was Cicero, it was but Cicero. whatever, yeah. Okay. So, Tacitus said, Arminius, without doubt Germania's liberator, who challenged the Roman people not in its beginnings like other kings and leaders, but in the peak of its empire, in battles with changing success, undefeated in war. Yeah, so uh, as can be expected, Arminius also became a huge symbol for both German unification and nationalism hundreds of years later. Hooray! And um, one of our favorite people, Martin Luther, uh -huh. <laughs> used used the story of Arminius uh, by uh, as a symbol for the fight of the German people against Rome. Yes, everyone, because the most honorable person in the world is a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't twice. Know. <laughs> Double agent. Okay. Uh, in 1839, the Germans built a huge statue of Arminius in Teutoburg Forest, which you can still go and see. Wow. And I saw pictures of it, and it's pretty badass. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there's also a statue of Arminius in New Ulm, Minnesota, which is random. That is random. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I don't know, is there a German? There's I'd... probably a lot of, Ger well, I know there's a lot of <laughs> Scandinavians in Minnesota, I bet there are a lot of Germans, too. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a problem with Arminius, though, is that he was picked up by the good old German Nazi party. Uh-huh. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Sorry, when you said Nazi, I just got even sicker. Ah. So, go ahead. Yes. So, uh, interestingly, not many people know about Arminius, and German historians tend to shy away from him just because he's become such a symbol for German nationalism. Uh. Even some German textbooks completely ignore Arminius for this <coughs> reason. Uh, which is bullshit, I think, because yeah, Arminius well, was not a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, but... Maybe but, he but was. James, <laughs> but James... Yes? Uh, no, I'm not gonna oh, go there. Okay. <coughs> I got a frog in my throat, I'm gonna start choking. Yeah. We uh, should go up to the surface. Yeah, you need to, like, have an exorcism or something. Uh, 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 I could I could use that. I, I could use that. Okay. Okay. So. To the surface. To the surface. So, James. James. <laughs> Varus! <laughs> so, James, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? Uh, well, I'm going to probably find Pickles. Oh. I don't know where he is. And well. <laughs> probably find out where these dogs came from, too. Yeah, maybe. And, uh, write a song about Varus. Yes. <laughs> Varusly. Varus, he'll never tear us oh, apart. Okay. Varus, he is... The terror... I don't know. Terrorist? <laughs> <laughs>
Ferris the terrorist. Ferris the terrorist. Ferris the terrorist. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't Who know. knows? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do for the rest of the day. You're gonna d fucking die. I'm gonna fucking die. Yeah. I've been on a major Jesus. downhill turn over the course of this last hour, I guess. You know that we have leprosy cured, right? Is that what's in this blanket? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I think it's time to bring the show to an end for today so I can go die. Uh, <laughs> don't do that! It's gonna fuck up post-production! <laughs> Feel free to send all your hate mail to we talk about dead people podcast at gmail.com. We will read all of it and not along. If you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us, though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com. That's patreon.com slash we talk about dead people, even as little as a dollar, as much as it costs to buy Varus! <laughs> Helps tremendously. <laughs> Our cover art was created by the extremely gifted Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his phenomenal work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. With all that being said, we'll close out and let sounds of dying Romans oh, Jesus <laughs> play you out Ferris 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 don't go into the forest Ferris Ferris Arminius is watching Ferris Ferris those German dudes are scary Ferris Ferris this battle will get hairy Ferris Ferris our soldiers they are tired Ferris Ferris the enemy is wired. Ferris, Ferris. Here comes the big attack, yo. Ferris, Ferris. Your leadership, it really blows. Ferris, Ferris. One thing about your mania. Ferris, Ferris. It'll show to be a mania. Ferris, Ferris. Three legions is not enough. Ferris, Ferris. This battle will be all so tough. Ferris, Ferris. Oh no, here comes the charge, man. Ferris, Ferris. You can't expect that boss to stand. Ferris.